0: Section Two of the Rover, Volume One, Number Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume One, Number Six, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section Two: The Comet by henry neale esq a few years ago at the little fishing town or rather village of g on the coast of cornwall resided a gentleman who from his appearance might be estimated to be nearly sixty years of age but i have since learned that he was not more than forty whatever his age might be he was more than suspected to be the old gentleman that is to say no other than the devil himself now i who happened to be obliged for the arrangement of some family affairs to reside a month or two at g had the misfortune to differ from my worthy neighbours as to the identity of the occupant of the old manor-house with the enemy of mankind in the first place his dress bore no sort of resemblance to that of beelzebub the last person who had the good fortune to get a glimpse of the real devil was the late professor porson and he has taken the pains to describe his apparel very minutely so that i am enabled to speak with some degree of confidence upon this part of the subject the professor's description runs thus and pray how was the devil dressed oh he was in his sunday's best his coat was black and his breeches were blue with a hole behind that his tail went through and over the hill and over the dale and he rambled over the plain and backwards and forwards he switched his long tail as a gentleman switches his cane the compliment extern of the old gentleman at g was quite the reverse of all these in the first place he had no sunday's best the sabbath and the working day saw him in precisely the same habiliments a circumstance which confirmed the townspeople in their opinion whereas i have no less an authority than that of porson for deducing an opposite conclusion from the same premises because the devil is scrupulously particular about his sunday's apparel then again he was never seen in a coat but always wore a loose morning gown this however was a circumstance which in the opinion of all told decidedly against him for why should he always wear that gown unless it was for the purpose of hiding his tail beneath its ample folds the good wives of the town were especially pertinacious upon this point and used to eye the lower part of the old gentleman's garment very suspiciously as he took his morning's walk upon the beach as to his rambling over hill and dale in the manner mentioned by the learned professor that was quite out of the question for he was a great sufferer by the gout and wore bandages as large as a blanket round his leg whenever this fact was mentioned the gossips used to smile shake their heads and look particularly wise observing that it was clearly a stratagem which he resorted to for concealing his cloven foot another circumstance ought not to be omitted he never went to the parish church the only place of worship within twenty miles and after he left G, an ivory crucifix was found in his house over which there was no doubt in the opinion of the neighbours that he used to say the lord's prayer backwards and repeat a variety of diabolical incantations i ventured humbly to suggest that his absence from church and the discovery of the crucifix were proofs not that he was a devil but a catholic upon which i was interrupted with a sneer and an exclamation of where is the mighty difference he gave great offence at the house of a fisherman who lived near him and strongly confirmed the prejudices against him by tearing down a horseshoe which was nailed at the door as a protection against witchcraft and calling the inhabitants fools and idiots for their pains seeing however the consternation which he had created he laughed heartily and gave them a guinea to make amends the good folks were determined not to derive any pecuniary advantages from the devil's gold but they gave it to their last born an infant in arms as a plaything the child was delighted with the glittering bauble but one day heaven got it down its throat there it stuck and instant suffocation ensued the weeping and wailing of the family on this occasion were mingled with execrations on the author of the calamity for such they did not hesitate to term the old gentleman who had evidently thrown to them this infernal coin for the purpose of depriving them of their chief earthly comfort they were not long in proceeding to the nearest magistrate and begging him to issue his warrant to apprehend the stranger for murder to this however his worship demurred and the good folks changed their battery and begged to ask as the guinea was of course a counterfeit whether they could not hang the devil for coining to this his worship replied that though coining is an offence amounting to high treason yet the devil not being a natural born subject of his majesty owed him no allegiance and therefore could not be guilty of the crime in question the poor people departed thinking it all very odd and that the people and the squire must be in collusion in which opinion they were confirmed by a tallow chandler who was the chief tradesman of the town as well as a violent radical and who advised to petition the house of commons without delay i will explain to my readers the secret of the tallow chandler's enmity the old gentleman had of a sudden ceased to buy candles and illuminated his house inside and out in a strange and mysterious manner by some means which from the brimstone-like smell occasionally perceived were plainly of infernal origin for several weeks previously he had been employing labourers from a distant town for he did not engage the honest man whose pick-axe was the only one ever used by the good people of g in digging trenches and laying down pipes round his house the townsfolk gazed on in wonder and terror but at a careful distance and although they had a longing desire to understand the meaning of all this they cautiously avoided any intercourse with the only persons who could give them the least information viz the labourers who performed the work at length one night without any obvious cause the lamp before the old gentleman's door that in his hall and another in his sitting-room were seen to spring into light as if by magic they were also observed to go out in the same way and thereupon a smell which could not be of this world proceeded from them one day too a dreadful explosion took place at the house and a part of the garden wall was thrown down all which were plain proofs that it could be no one but the devil who inhabited there the good folks of g had never heard of gas or its properties and i was thought to be no better than i should be for endeavouring to explain all these phenomena by natural causes my own opinions were so much opposed to those of my neighbours that i felt rather a desire to be acquainted with the stranger whose manners appeared to be open and good-humoured although testy and eccentric my naturally shy disposition prevented me however from accomplishing my wish and beside this i found that my own affairs were enough to occupy me during the short time that i remained at g i learned that the person who had created so much consternation had arrived at that town about four months before and that the house had been previously engaged for him who or what he was or why he came thither no one who tried could ascertain whether i could have attained this wonderful height in knowledge i do not know but having something else to do i never made the attempt many years rolled over my head and the memory of the mysterious inhabitant of g had entirely vanished from it when circumstances which it is unnecessary to detail obliged me to pay a visit to the north of germany at the close of a fine autumnal day in eighteen blank i found myself entering the splendid city of berlin both my good steed and i were so much fatigued that a speedy resting was very desirable for us but it was long before i could choose a hotel out of the immense number which presented themselves to my view some were far too magnificent for my humble means and the mere sight of their splendour seemed to melt away the gilders in my pocket some on the other hand were such as no man of wit and fashion about town would think of putting his head into at length i thought that i discovered one which looked like the happy medium and the whimsicality of its sign determined me to put up there the sign was der teufel and since my departure from g i had acquired a sufficient mastery of the german language to know what those two words signified in english i entered and after taking all due precautions for the accommodation and sustenance of the respectable quadruped who had borne me upon his back for nearly half a day i began to think of satisfying that appetite which disappointment anxiety and fatigue had not been able entirely to destroy my worthy host who did not seem to bear any resemblance to his sign unless i could have the ingratitude to ascribe his magical celerity and marvellous good fare to the auspices of his patron saint quickly covering my table with a profusion of tempting viands while a flask of sparkling hockheim towered proudly like a presiding deity above the whole my good-humour however was a little cluttered when i saw plates knives and forks laid for two instead of one what means this said i to the landlord mine hare, he answered submissively a gentleman who has just arrived will have the honour of dining with you but i mean to dine alone i replied angrily not that i doubted the sufficiency of the meal but i did not choose to be intruded upon by strangers pardon me mein herr said the landlord with unabashed impudence i have told herr von Schwarzmann that dinner is ready i am sure you will like his company he is a gentleman of good fortune and family he is moreover i care not who he is i exclaimed but in order to cut thy prating short and to get my dinner if i must needs submit let him come in at once even if he be the devil himself i had scarcely uttered these words when i started as if i had really seen the person whom i mentioned for the room dorpened and in walked the old gentleman who had caused so much wonder and terror at g the superstitions of the people of that town the sign of the inn where i now was the old fellow's name Schwartzmann which being interpreted in english meaneth black man my own petulant exclamation and the sudden apparition of this unaccountable person were circumstances that crowded my brain at once and for an instant i almost fancied myself in the presence of the foul fiend you seem surprised at length said herr von Schwartzmann, at our unexpected meeting and indeed you cannot be more so than i am i believe it was in england that we met before even so mein herr i answered encouraged by the earthly tone of his voice and fancying that the good-humoured smile which mantled over his face must be of this world and at any rate could be of no worse origin even so mine herr and i have often regretted that placed as we were among a horde of barbarous peasantry an opportunity never occurred for our better acquaintance it is at length arrived he said filling two glasses of hockheim let us drink to our better and our long acquaintance i pledged the old gentleman's toast with great alacrity and it was not until the passage of the wine down my throat had sealed me to it irrevocably that i reflected upon the sentiment to which i had drunk with so much cordiality and i was again shaken with doubts as to the nature of the person with whom i had avowed my wish to be long and intimately acquainted i looked upon his feet, but that's a fable and then i looked upon the viands on which he was feeding lustily while i although he had the courtesy to load my plate with the best of everything was wasting the golden moments in idle alarms and superstitious absurdity the more reasonable man was roused within me and i fell to the work of mastication with a zeal and fervour that would have done honour to dr kitchener himself well my friend said my companion after we had pretty well satisfied the cravings of our stomachs our landlord has this day treated us nobly and methinks we have not been backward in doing honour to his excellent cheer he is an honest fellow who well deserves to prosper and we will therefore if you please drink success to Der Teufel i had raised my glass to my lips when i found that the old gentleman meant to propose a toast but i set it down hastily as soon as i heard the very equivocal sentiment to which he wanted me to pledge myself the fiend i thought is weaving his web round me and wishes me to drink to my own perdition a cold sweat came over me a film covered my eyes and i thought that i perceived the old man looking askew at me while his lip was curled with a malignant smile you are not well he said taking my hand i shrunk from his grasp at first but to my surprise it was as cool and healthy as the touch of humanity can possibly be let us retire to our worthy host's garden the heat of this room overpowers you and we can finish our wine coolly and pleasantly in the arbour he did not wait for my consent but led me out and our bottle and glasses were very quickly arranged upon a table in a leafy arbour where we were sheltered from the sun and enjoyed the refreshing fragrance of the evening breeze as it gently stirred the leaves about us they were odd people said my friend those inhabitants of g they stared at me and shrunk from me as if i had been the devil himself and in truth mine hare," i replied they took you to be no less a personage than he whom you have just named the old gentleman laughed long and heartily at my information i thought as much he said it is an honour which has been ascribed to me from the hour of my birth and in more countries than one indeed said i you speak as if there were something in your history to which a stranger might listen with interest may i crave the favour of you to be a little more communicative with all my heart he replied but in truth you will not find much to interest you in my story a little mirth and a good deal of sorrow make up the history of most men's lives and mine is not an exception to the general rule i was born some threescore years ago and was the son and heir of the baron von schwartzmann whose castle in a few miles to the southward of this city and i am now by your leave mine heir, the baron himself i made a lower bow than i had ever yet greeted him with my mother had brought into the world about two years previously a daughter of such extraordinary beauty that it was confidently expected that the next child would be similarly endowed but i was no sooner presented to my father than he was so startled at my surprising ugliness that he retreated several paces and involuntarily exclaimed the devil this was a christian name which stuck to me ever afterward and which as you can bear witness followed me even into a foreign country my godfather and godmother however treated me much more courteously than my own natural parent and bestowed upon me at the baptismal font the high-sounding appellation of leopold nothing worth describing occurred during the years of my infancy i cried and laughed and powdered and sucked and was kissed and scolded and treated and whipped as often and with the same alternations as children in general only i grew uglier and justified the paternal benediction more and more every day in due time i was sent to a grammar school as i had at home been accustomed to independence and the exercise of my self-will i soon became the most troublesome fellow there and yet i may now say it without the imputation of vanity i contrived by some means or other to gain the hearts of all whether tutors or pupils for solving a theme or robbing an orchard writing nonsense verses or frightening a whole neighbourhood translating homer into german verse or beating a watchman until his flesh was one general bruise who could compete with leopold von Schwartzmann? one day i was publicly reprimanded and punished for some monstrous outrage and the next rewarded with all the honours of the school for my proficiency in the classics in short it was generally agreed that there was not such another clever pleasant good-tempered good-for-nothing fellow in the school certainly the wise people would say the devil is in him and now added the old man smiling but smiling i thought somewhat solemnly and sadly i must let you into the secret of one of my weaknesses i have ever had the most implicit belief in the science of astrology you stare at me incredulously and i can excuse your incredulity you born in england perhaps some forty years ago can have but few superstitions in common with one whose birthplace is germany and whose natal star first shone upon him above threescore years before the time at which he is speaking observe that comet he said pointing toward the west it is a very brilliant one and this is the last night that it will be visible it is the beautiful comet i said which has shone upon us for the last six months and which first appeared i think in the belt of orion true true replied the baron it is the comet which according to the calculations of astronomers visits the eyes of the inhabitants of this world once in twenty years and i can confirm the accuracy of their calculations as far as relates to three of its visits you will smile and think that the eccentricity of my conduct and character is sufficiently accounted for when i tell you that that comet is my natal planet on the very day and instant that it became visible sixty years and six months ago did i first open my eyes in my father's castle there is however a tradition connected with this comet which has sometimes made me uneasy it runs thus the comet that's born in the belt of orion whose cradle it gilds gilds the place they shall die on however this is its third return that i have seen and being now as hale and hearty as ever i was the tradition if it means anything to interest me means that i shall live on to the good old age of fourscore but to return to my history i was a fervent believer in astrology and i thought that if i could meet with a person either male or female who was born under the same star to that person i might safely attach myself and our destinies must be indissolubly bound together i had however never met with such a person and as yet i had never seen my natal star for on the day on which i entered the university of hall i wanted three days of attaining my twentieth year those three days seemed the longest and most tedious that i had ever passed but at length the fateful morning dawned on the evening of which a few minutes before the hour of eight the hour of my birth i hastened to a secluded place at a short distance from the town and planting myself there gazed earnestly and intently upon the belt of orion i had not gazed long before a peculiar light seemed to issue from it and at length i saw a beautiful comet with a long and glittering train rising in all its celestial pomp and majesty how shall i describe my feelings at that moment i felt as it were new-born new ideas new hopes new joys seemed to rush upon me and i gave vent to my emotions in an exclamation of delight this exclamation i was astonished to hear repeated as audibly and fervently as it was made and turning round i beheld a female within a few paces of me to my right she was tall and exquisitely formed her dress denoted extreme poverty and her eye which for a moment had been lighted up with enthusiasm was downcast and abashed with a sense of conscious inferiority when it met mine still i thought that i had never beheld a face so perfectly beautiful her general complexion was exquisitely fair without approaching to paleness with a slight tinge of the rose on each cheek which i could not help thinking that care and tenderness might be able to deepen to a much ruddier hue her eyes were black and sparkling but the long dark lashes which fell over them seemed i thought acquainted with tears her hair was of the same colour with her eyes and almost of the same brightness i gazed first upon her and then upon the newly risen comet and my bosom seemed bursting with emotions which i could not repress or even understand sweet girl i said approaching her and taking her hand what can have induced you to wander abroad at this late hour the comet she said the comet pointing to it with enthusiasm it is indeed a beautiful star i replied and as i gazed i felt as if i were the apostle of truth for so saying but here i added pressing my lip to her white forehead is one still more beautiful but alas more fragile and which ought therefore not to be exposed to danger ay she said but it is the star which i have been waiting to gaze upon for many a long year it is the star that rules my destiny my natal star twenty years ago and at this hour was i brought into the world scarcely could i believe my eyes i thought that the sounds which i had heard could not have come from the beautiful lips which i saw moving but that some lying fiend had whispered them in my ears i made her repeat them over and over again i thought of the desire which had so long haunted me and which now seemed gratified i thought too of the beautiful lines of schiller it is a gentle and affectionate thought then in immeasurable heights above us at our first birth this wreath of love was woven with sparkling stars for flowers in short i thought and felt so much that i fell at the fair girl's feet told her the strange coincidence of our destinies revealed to her my name and rank and made her an offer of my hand and heart without any farther ceremony alas sir she said permitting but not returning the caress which i gave her i could indeed fancy that fate has intended us to be indissolubly united but i am poor friendless wretched my mother's old and bedridden and my father i fear follows desperate courses to procure even the slender means on which we subsist but i have wealth sweet girl i exclaimed sufficient to remove all these evils and here is an earnest of it endeavouring to force my purse into her hands nay nay she said thrusting it back keep your gold lest slander should blacken the fair fame which is all adeline's dowry sweet adeline beautiful adeline i said do not let us part thus can you doubt my sincerity would you vainly endeavor to interpose a barrier against the decrees of fate believe that i love you and say that you love me in return it is the will of fate she said sinking in my arms why should i belie what is written in my heart leopold i love thee thus did we who but half an hour previously were ignorant of each other's existence plight our mutual vows but each recognized a being long sought and looked for and each yielded to the overruling influence of the planet which was the common governor of our destiny i was anxious to celebrate our nuptials immediately but adeline put a decided negative upon it what she said were you born under yon star and know not the dark saying which is attached to it the love that is born at the comet's birth treat it not like a thing of earth breathe it to none but the loved one's ear lest fate should remove what hope deems so near seal it not till the hour and the day when that star from the heavens shall pass away i instantly recollected the saying and acquiesced in the wisdom of not acting adversely to what i believed to be the will of destiny it will then be six long months sweet adeline i said ere our happiness can be sealed but i must see thee daily i cannot else exist call upon me at yon white cottage she answered at about this hour my father is then out indeed he has been out for some weeks now but he is never at home at that hour and my mother will have retired to rest farewell leopold von schwartzmann farewell dearest adeline tell me no more of thy name i seek not i wish not to know it tell it not to me until the hour when thou art about to exchange it for schwartzmann our parting was marked as the partings of lovers usually are with sighs and tears and embraces protestations of eternal fidelity and promises of speedily seeing each other again the love thus suddenly lighted up within our bosoms i did not suffer to die away or be extinguished every evening at the hour of nine i was at the fair one's cottage door and i ever found her ready to receive me nay at length i used to find the latch left unfastened for me and i stole upstairs to her chamber unquestioned i soon discovered that her mind and manners were at least equal to her beauty but the utmost penury and privation were but too visible around her it was in vain that i offered her the assistance of my purse and urged her to accept my anticipation that which must very shortly be hers by right the high-minded girl positively refused to avail herself of this offer and then i could not help at all hazards endeavouring to persuade her to consent to our immediate union as that seemed to me to be the only means of rescuing her from the distressing state of poverty in which i found her say no more leopold she said one night when i had been urging this upon her more strenuously than ever say no more lest i should be weak enough to consent and so draw down upon our heads the bolts of destiny and leopold i find thy presence dangerous to me let me therefore i pray thee see thee no more until the hour which is to make us one i dread thy entreating eyes thy persuading tongue one short month of separation and then a whole life of constant union say that it shall be so for my sake it shall be so it shall for thy sake has said for bitter as was the trial to which she put me, the tone and manner in which she implored my acquiescence were irresistible. Then farewell, she said. Come not near me until that day. Should you attempt to see me earlier, I have a fearful foreboding that something evil will befall us. This was the most sorrowful parting which I had yet experienced, but I bore it as manfully as I could. Three, four, five days did I perform my promise and never ventured near the residence of Adeline i shut myself up in my own chamber where i saw no one but the domestic who brought my meals i could not support this life any longer and at last i determined to pay a visit to adeline whither would you go mynheer said the sentinel at the city gate through which i had to pass i have business of importance to transact about a mile from the city i answered pray do not detain me nay mynheer replied the sentinel i have no authority to detain you but if you will take the advice of a friend you will not leave the city tonight know you not that the noted bandit brant is suspected to be in the neighborhood this evening that the council have set a price upon his head and that the city bands are now engaged in pursuit of him be it so i said a man who is skulking about to avoid the city bands is not methinks an enemy whom i need greatly fear encountering the sentinel shook his head but allowed me to pass without farther question love lent wings to my feet and already was adeline's white cottage in sight when a violent blow on the back of my head with the butt end of a pistol stretched me on the ground and a man whose knee was immediately on my chest pointed the muzzle at my head deliver your money he said or you have not a moment to live ruffian i said let me go i am a student at hall son of the Baron von Schwarzmann thou durst not for thy head attempt my life that we shall soon see said the villain coolly and my days had then been certainly numbered had not three men springing from a neighbouring thicket suddenly seized the robber disarmed him and then proceeded very quietly to bind his hands behind him have we caught you at last mine herr brandt said one of my deliverers we have been a long time looking out for you now we meet to part only once and for ever the robber eyed them sullenly but did not deign a reply as they marched him between them toward the town we soon entered the gate through which i had already passed and were conducted before the commander of the garrison who as brant had been placed by proclamation under military law was the judge appointed to decide upon his case my evidence was given in a very few words and corroborated as it was by that of the policeman was i perceived fatal to brant i could not help however entreating for mercy to the wretched criminal nay sir said the officer your entreaty is vain even without this last atrocious case to fix his doom we needed only evidence to identify him as to have cost him all his lives were they numerous as the hairs upon his head away with him and hang him instantly upon the ramparts i thank thee colonel said the bandit for my death it is better to die than to witness such sights as have torn my heart daily it was only to save a wretched wife and daughter from starvation that i resorted to this trade but fairly well brant knows how to die the unhappy man was instantly removed and finding that there was no further occasion for my attendance i rushed into the streets in a state that bordered upon frenzy the idea that i had however innocently been the occasion of the death of a man shook every fibre in my frame and while i was suffering under the influence of these feelings the sudden roll of the death-drums announced that brant had ceased to live i went home and hurried to bed but not to rest the violence of the blow which i had received from the bandit as well as the mental agony which i had undergone threw me into a dangerous fever for ten days i was in a state of delirium raving incoherently and unconscious of everything around me at length i arrived at the crisis of my disorder which proved favorable the fever left my brain and the glassy glare of my eyes was exchanged for their usual look of intelligence and meaning i turned round my head in my bed and looked toward the window of my chamber it was evening the arch of heaven was of one deep azure, and the comet was shining in all its brightness its situation in the heavens which was materially different from that which it had occupied when i was last conscious of seeing it recalled and fixed my wondering recollections of all that was connected with it i rang the bell violently and was speedily attended by my valet who had watched over me during my illness i interrupted the expressions of delight which the sight of my convalescent state drew from him by inquiring eagerly what was the day of the month and the hour it is the eighth of august sir and the clock of the cathedral has just chimed the hour of seven heavens i exclaimed starting from my bed had this cursed fever detained me one hour longer the destined moment would have passed away assist me to dress good ferdinand i must away instantly sir said the man alarmed the doctor would chide care not for his chiding i said i will secure thee but an affair of life and death is not more urgent than that which i am about to do the good curate von Wilden is below said ferdinand and told me that he must see you but i dared not disturb you he was just going away when you rang the bell and is now waiting to know the result i remembered immediately that i had appointed the curate to meet me at that hour for the purpose of proceeding to adeline's cottage and tying the nuptial knot between us i had told him of the nature of the duty which i wished him to perform without however disclosing so much as to break through the caution contained in the traditionary verses i lost no time in joining him in the hall and proceeded to leave the house accompanied by him with as much celerity as possible lest the intervention of my medical attendant or some other person should throw difficulty in the way we soon reached the open fields it was a beautiful starlight evening the comet was nearly upon the verge of the horizon and i was fearful of its disappearing before the ceremony of my nuptials could be accomplished we therefore proceeded rapidly on our walk an involuntary shudder came over me as i passed by the scene of my encounter with the bandit but just then the white cottage peeped out from among the woods which had concealed it and my heart felt reassured by the near prospect of unbounded happiness we approached the door it was on the latch which i gently raised And then proceeded as usual up the stairs followed by the curate i thought i heard a low moaning sound as we approached the chamber door but it was ajar and we entered an old woman who seemed scarcely able to crawl about was at the bedside with a file in her hand and stretched upon the couch with a face on which the finger of death seemed visibly impressed lay the wasted form of adeline just heavens i exclaimed what new misery have ye in store for me the sound of my voice roused adeline from her deathlike stupor she raised her eyes but closed them again suddenly on seeing me exclaiming tis he tis he the fiend save me save me the bitterness of death seemed to invade my heart when i heard this unaccountable exclamation i gasped for breath and cold drops of agony rolled from my temples i ventured to approach the bed i took her burning hand within my own and pressed it to my heart she again fixed her eyes upon me solemnly and said know you whom you embrace miserable man has not the universal rumour reached thy ear dearest adeline i said for the last ten days i have been stretched upon the bed of delirium and insensibility rumour however trumpet-tongued to other ears has been dumb to mine you call me adeline she said is that all the hour i answered is at length arrived i thought it would be a less melancholy one when thou wert to tell me that other name ere thou exchangest it for ever no, then she said rising up in the bed with an unusual effort in which all her remaining strength seemed to be concentrated that my name is adeline brandt for an instant she fixed her dark eyes upon my face which grew cold and pallid as her own then the film of death came over them and her head sank back upon a pillow from which it never rose again Weak and sickly and stricken as it were with a thunderbolt i know not how i preserved my recollection and reason at the moment i remember however looking from the chamber window and seeing the comet shining brightly although on the verge of the horizon i turned to the dead face of adeline and thought of those ill-omened verses the comet that's born in the belt of orion whose cradle it gills gills the place they shall die on i looked again and the comet was just departing from the heavens its fiery train was no longer visible and in an instant after the nucleus disappeared i have but little to add in explanation i learned that on the evening of our meeting the unfortunate brant who had carried on his exploits at a distance knowing that a price was set upon his head had fled to the house where his wife and daughter lived and between whom and him no suspicion of any connection existed resolving if he escaped his present danger to give up his perilous courses but that he found those two females in such a state of wretchedness and starvation that he rushed out and committed the act for which he forfeited his life had i but asked her name this fatal event would not have happened for i should most assuredly have removed her to another dwelling and provided in some way for her father's safety or had not the traditionary verses restrained us from mentioning our attachment to any one until the hour of our nuptials i should have revealed it to the bandit and so taken away from him every inducement for following his lawless occupation ill news is not long in spreading adeline heard of her father's death and that i was the occasion of it a few hours after it took place the same cause which sent her to her deathbed roused her mother from the couch of lethargy and inaction on which she had lain for many years and i found that she was the wretched old woman whom i had seen attending the last moments of her daughter the remainder of my history has little in it to interest you i left the university and retired to my father's castle where i shut myself up and lived a very recluse life until his death which happened a few years afterward obliged me to exert myself in the arrangement of my family affairs the lapse of years gradually alleviated although it could not eradicate my sorrow but when i found myself approaching my fortieth year and knew that the comet would very soon make its reappearance i could not bear the idea of looking again upon the fatal planet which had caused me so much uneasiness i therefore resolved to travel in some country where it would not be visible and having received a pressing invitation from a friend in england to visit his native land accompanied by an intimation that his house at g was entirely at my service i did not hesitate to accept his offer you know something of my adventures there especially of the consternation which i occasioned by laying down gas-pipes round my friend's house in consequence of a letter which i had received from him requesting me to take the trouble to superintend the workmen twenty more years have now rolled over my head the comet has reappeared and i can gaze on it with comparative indifference and as it is just about taking its leave of us suppose we walk out and enjoy the brightness of his departing glory i acceded to the old gentleman's proposal and lent him the assistance of my arm during our walk yonder fence said he surrounds my friend burger's garden in which there is an eminence from which we shall get a better view the gate is a long way round but i think you and even i shall find but little difficulty in leaping this fence i will indemnify you for the trespass and he had scarcely spoken before he was on the other side of it i followed him and we proceeded at a brisk pace toward a beautiful shrubbery on an elevated spot in the centre of the garden m von schwartzmann led the way but he had scarcely reached the summit before i heard an explosion and saw him fall upon the ground i hastened to his assistance and found him weltering in his blood i raised him and supported him in my arms but he shook his head saying no no my friend it is all in vain the influence of that malignant star has prevailed over me i forgot that my friend Berger had lately planted spring-guns in his grounds but it is destiny and not they which has destroyed me farewell farewell on these words his last breath was spent his eyes while they remained open were fixed upon the comet and the instant they closed the ill-boding planet sunk beneath the horizon two.